You gotta help me here. I know, I know. You lose your breath after going that long. All right, I'm gonna try it one more time, just to see if I can do any better. We'll see. I doubt it, but we'll see. Okay. We have to get into the the big line. There's so much to sing. All right, all right. All right, we'll see if we can do this one last time and see if it gets better. Yeah. Well, she flies around the world on a Martian bioship. She's a sticky-fingered archer from Star to Co City. Wally will take her for a ride on a super speed to China. Tell me where in the world is Artemis Croc. But to Siren South Korea, make Apocalypse cry uncle. After hurting Red Tornado, she was singing the blues. And she never let her father steal the venom from the jungle. Tell me where in the world is Artemis Croc. Goes from Smallville to Central, down Gatham by Leia to Keith. Stones, Metropolis, Atlantis, and back. Well, she'll ransack Spider-Man and says the secret was a tenna kid, but pick her up from under and they'll go fight the lead. Puts the mist in Miss Martian, wins our mental memory. Tell me where in the world is part of this crack. Tell me, Michael, where in the world is part of this crack. Tell me, Michael, where in the world is part of this crack. Where in the world is Artemis Croc? Is Wally's bathroom? Where in the world is Artemis Croc? Tell me where in the world is Artemis Croc? Tell me where in the world is Artemis Croc? Tell me. Wait. Was this recorded? It's recorded. Of course it was. Oh. I'm sorry, everyone who had to hear that. Cue the music! This is Brian Q. Miller, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are... Tonight's entertainment. Here on the world, freezes in the room. None of the Robins ever complained. You're going to melt just like a cheese sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to all this. I know we just escape my sight, but those who worship this might be where my power green lantern lies. But let the universe howl in despair, for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill him. Yes. Where we actually find out where Artemis is. Yes, that was the great thing, and... I didn't realize that we've started the actual show. Well, we no. have. Wow, you're, you're jumping We're just, me into things. We are just getting into it. Well, I, I don't even have the script open because I was so into that music, I'm telling you. Well, that's okay. I, I got it open. It was just... so good, man. Oh. Like, I had to hit the record button. You know? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I you're into singing, you know? Caught you in the shower singing. So I thought, you know, everyone would like to hear that. No, Michael wasn't in the shower. Uh-huh. I'm just... So... <laughs> I, I'm trying to buy time so no, I can no. get my script up. You know? I will start this for you. I got this. Really? Yes. Because, I mean, I'm the host. Should I start things? No, I... I well, I'll, I'll put them off to you. See, you've just left me all confused because I thought we had to stop the recording. I even pressed the stop button for a second. But I've started up the recording again. 
So I'm going to have to send this to you in two parts. You've confused me that much. What? <laughs> you didn't explain to me they were going to keep going with the show. Well, I assumed start. we would have kept going with the show seeing how that last version was perfect. It was flawless. Yes, it was good. I mean, everyone's going to be really in suspense on where in the world Artemis Crock really is. And that's also going to be the title of this episode as well. Yeah. It's fitting. It is. So, anyway, hi, everyone, and welcome. <laughs> it's my show, darn it, I'm going to open it. <laughs> hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cross the Airwaves' DC Nation section, the only place so far on the internet to find podcast reviews, and I'm going to do this because I feel bad for being mean. What are they going to find podcast reviews on on this show, Michael? DC Nation. Yes, Cartoon Network's popular Saturday morning programming block entitled DC Nation, which currently features episodes of Green Lantern, the animated series, and the always outstanding Young Justice, now entitled Young Justice Invasion, as well as various DC Comics animated shorts, which were kind of off the wall this week. And I'm, of course, Dan Schmidt, your host, also the chorus in our rendition of Where in the World is Artemis Croc? which I hope didn't sound like a train wreck to your listeners. I hope you got a good laugh out of it. Again, Nico's probably sitting at home like, what did those idiots do this time? But, you know, that's how it goes. We have fun here on ATA DC Nation. We also have fun on the regular ATA, <laughs> but it's a little less off the wall. But hey, anything was better than that vibe short. That's all I've got to say. And of course, with me is the person who's behind a lot of the fun and wild crazy antics that we have here at ATA, the most infamous of our Across the Airwaves core, ATA's Richard Review's very own Michael J. Petty, who's here with his announcer voice. And in your outstanding announcer voice, what shows are we covering this week, Michael? This week on Across the Airwaves, DC Nation, we'll be covering the Green Lantern the Animated Series episode Invasion. After that, we'll be covering three new DC Nation shorts, including a Who's Who in the DC Nation, a.k.a. Animal Man, and two Vibe shorts, as well as Young Justice Invasion episode 4, Salvage. After that, we'll be covering the next part of the Smallville series, Season 11 issues, written by Brian Cumula. Yes. Wow, what put you on hyperdrive? Good question. Uh, you said that awful fast. I should have said it faster. Why? I'm ashamed. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because the hyperdrive is fixed on the interceptor, doesn't mean you have to talk, you know, in, in hyperdrive. Why can't Just I talk so in hyperdrive? Why can't you talk in hyperdrive? Why can't everyone talk in hyperdrive? Why can't you listeners be, listen in hyperdrive? I would be out of breath. I would be out of breath that I couldn't make it through this podcast. I can make it through this podcast. Why can't you make it through this podcast? Can't the listeners make it through this podcast? What is going on? You're talking too fast. That's what's happening. That's what's going on. Sorry? So before we get too carried away here, we're going to talk about the Green Lantern animated series episode, Invasion. Green Lantern Invasion? The Green Lantern animated series episode entitled Invasion, which ironically has the same name as Young Justice Invasion. But no, Green Lantern the animated series, there's just Green Lantern the animated series right now. There's been no secondary title added. This is the episode title, Invasion. (laughs) 
The Red Lanterns begin their invasion of the Green Lantern homeworld, Oa. And now that Michael is done confusing me for the third time in this podcast that we've only been on the air for maybe not even five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to just make me laugh. It's kind of fun. But anyhow, this week's Green Lantern started out with Atrocitus torturing Mithrock. God, I was glad to see him again. It was for 30 seconds. Still don't know if he's alive, though, but he was back, and the Trasidus wanted to get that darn go to the lighthouse, making me curious if the Green Lanterns will save him in a future episodes, and if being rescued will make Bithrock change his race. Again, I highly doubt that because, because we said last week he was an interesting villain because he kind of existed in this gray area. And uh, I don't know, what did you think about this scene, Mithrak's somewhat return? Somewhat return. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad we got to see him again, definitely. I mean, he's a really cool character, as we said last week, but, you know. Is he going to survive, you think? Probably not. He's probably dead. I yeah. mean, we don't know for sure. I mean, he could come back, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was real quick. It's probably best to get into the meat of and potatoes of this episode. Where yeah. we went to Hal and his crew's mission to destroy the lighthouse. Which I thought, I don't know about you, Michael, had a, a pretty impressive opening of the gateway leading through the asteroid field opening. That was pretty cool. And it was then pretty it, sweet. Yeah, I thought so. And things kind of became action packed as the lighthouse laser turrets began firing at the interceptor under the control of, of the Red Lanterns. Yeah, right, yeah. guess. Do I guess it gone there first? Mm-hmm. Is that because they got the code out of Bithrock? Is that how Probably. that worked out? Okay. Because it was just a little quick how they got there, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. And about this whole thing with these laser turrets firing on the interceptor, Michael, did you really kind of think it was stupid that Hal and his crew allowed the interceptor to take so much punishment from the laser turrets? Yeah, especially since it was still trying to heal up the hyperdrive. Yeah, I was going to say, that just didn't make sense. Yeah, it was kind of dumb. Yeah, there, well. there were two, not in Green Lantern itself, but in both Young Justice and Green Lantern, there was two incidents where the main hero did something that was kind of not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And not very well thought out. Yeah. And again, I, I don't want to say I'm knocking the writers on that. I, I more think that this happened to these heroes because it was kind of a heat of the moment thing. It was the heat of the moment. moment. Tell, Tell me what, what your heart brings. <laughs> yeah, I had to bust out singing that. Oh, mystery spot episode of Supernatural. That's what that makes me think of. Shonen Horizon. Dean Winchester waking up every day. No, Sam. Sam Winchester waking up every day to the same song. And then the payoff of him waking up the next day to Back in Time from Huey Lewis. Then the news from Back to the Future was awesome. Isn't this the most wonderful song you've ever heard? <laughs> no. Tuesdays to Drive. It makes me oh, smile. Reminds me of Back to the Future, which is one of my favorite movies. But back to Green Lantern. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes, nice segue. I thought the smart one in this mission to destroy the lighthouse was the character that we always say is the unsung hero on the show. We enjoy her. She gets beat up on a little bit, but Aya was solid in this episode. 
as I really, yeah. yeah, I respected her initiative to stand up and say that she was the only one who could fly through the spiral energy field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you got more on I? I know you're. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, I thought it was a great payoff for her story arc when Hal told her she wasn't a rookie anymore as he decided to go with her plan. Yes. Good stuff. Got flying through the spiral. That was pretty awesome. She was cracking. Yeah. That was very cool. That was awesome. Battle damage is cool. Battle damage is awesome. And she how is they saw action figures. Right. <laughs> so now they're going to they're going to come out with battle damage Daya because of that scene. They better. Is there a, is there an action figure? There's no action figures, is there? No, there are no action figures for the show yet. That's crappy. It is. DC, get on that. Yeah. Well, and Aya, she's one tough robot girl. I tell mm-hmm. you. Oh, yeah. She has Atrocitus Ripper apart to one episode. Now she almost cracks apart. Don't mess with her. I want, does she even feel pain? Probably not. I don't know. I'm curious about that. Maybe they'll do an episode about what she could feel than not feel. And hopefully not make that really dirty. <laughs> okay. Yeah, or we don't make it that way. Because you never know what could happen on the mixed bag known as DC Nation. <laughs> yeah. You know, we could find Artemis Croc for all I know. We could. Yeah. Also, I thought it was a huge development for Hal's character to let someone else do the flying. Because mm-hmm. he never does that. You never see him say, okay, you could fly, you could handle this. So I, I like him having to work with a team because it's getting Hal to do things that he hasn't normally done or challenged him to reluctantly accept relying yes. on others. Yes. And I always think, you know, it's almost important for the Green Lantern universe to have them working together. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are law enforcement officials from the galaxy. A lot of people forget that. And law enforcement, they work together to accomplish things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see the GLs working together and doing their thing here. Well, the GLs are basically the law enforcement of the universe. Right. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it's good to see them functioning like law enforcement as we know it here on Earth right. or in the real world or whatever. Well, because, I mean, let's remember, in their minds, they're law enforcement. They're not superheroes. Right. It's different to them. Yeah, maybe not to hell, but to rest of them, yes. Yeah, <laughs> not to hell. But. Yeah, this show is very good at showing the line between that. To tell you mm-hmm. that being a Green Lantern does, does not necessarily mean you are a superhero. Your job is to police the galaxy. Dang it. That's what it's about. It's not the cool powers and stuff. I'm not a superhero. You're not a Green Lantern. Oh. I, don't, I have not seen you on the news flying around with the green aura around you. Not yet. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Then tomorrow you're going to think you're a hawk man and be on the roof of your house <laughs> trying to fly with wings. <laughs> but then you won't have wings and you fall flat on the ground. And I'm going to have to fight a new co-host. Stop ruining my dreams. 
No, because I want to be on episode 100. <laughs> I can't die yet. No. I just have this vision of the Smallville episode, Icarus. Yeah. And it's your face <laughs> on Hawkman with the flaming wings coming out of the building. I think we should have... I'm going to And that you just now. have this, like, I don't know, this Grinch smile on your face. I don't know why I've seen the Grinch smile on your face. Oh, that's great. That's that's going to be made a video. That's going online. I want somebody to take a photo of your face and put it on that image from Icarus. I'm going to do it. That would be hilarious. I'll do it. Well, if someone else beats me to it, that's one thing. By the I, time this is out, I I think our fans would appreciate some Michael image comedy. I think I would even appreciate yeah. it. I think yeah. you'd appreciate it. I'd make me laugh. <laughs> Do you, oh, that's interesting. Did you know Animal Man in those Animal Man shorts is voiced by Weird Al? That's pretty cool. That's hilarious. Yeah, but you should save that for Who's Who. Tripping ahead. Oh. Well, I'll mention it again. Okay, good reminder. Yeah. Yeah, and also with Aya going back again. <laughs> keep getting distracted. Darn it. Bad Michael. <laughs> so, I thought that line that Kilowog, I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head right now but that line he gave to Hal when he um, was complaining about Aya not following orders was really funny yeah now you know how the Guardians feel right yes great great timing great delivery uh, the voice actors are really great on the show I mm. really have to oh, give, yeah. it, give them credit um, Kevin Michael Richardson, nice job on the humor, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then after Aya set the lighthouse to explode, it cleverly turned the laser turrets on the red lanterns. Yes. Yeah. See, leave it to the woman to be the smart one. Atrocitus showed up in his ship. Bum, bum, bum. And bum. gave... Oh, Sorry. I was just. I'm sorry. I, I ruined your dramatic effect there. No, no, I ruined yours. Forgive me. Oh, it's it's fine. Well, anyway, the Green Lanterns in uh, the Interceptor and Atrocitus in his ship had a good old-fashioned spaceship battle that I felt reminded me of a cross between the Death Star trench run and the original Star Wars, especially when Atrocitus' ship like rolled around and got knocked off course. Mm-hmm. That was that totally screamed Darth Vader at the end of episode four. Oh yeah. And then it also with the asteroid field closing, it reminded that was me crazy. Wasn't it nuts? Yes. I mean that was really intense. And then you had that whole concept of Kilowog being claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, ooh. Like I wouldn't want to be in there. Mm-hmm. But it really reminded me of the Millennium Falcon flying out of the second Death Star when it was mm-hmm. exploding in Jedi. Uh, yes. So it was like those two really impressive visual scenes slammed together that it was nuts. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that from a visual standpoint, the chase somewhat differed from those Star Wars movies because I felt we got some really cool impressive shots of this space battle from inside of the Interceptor's cockpit. Again, mm-hmm. they were really quick, and I don't know if you caught them, Michael, but basically the camera angle 
was from inside the ship looking out of the windshield to kind of give us an idea of what Cal and his crew were seeing. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I felt this is something that we really haven't seen before. And I felt, and I could be wrong on this, that it shows us just how much more freedom Bruce Timm's animators have when it comes to enhancing the action now in working with CG compared to the traditional 2D animation. Because, you know, they had spaceships and stuff like that on Justice League Unlimited, but I don't know if they would have pulled something like this off from inside the cockpit on, mm-hmm. on any of those shows or its predecessors. So that just really shows you how technology is advanced and how animation can be a lot more cinematic than it used to be. Oh, yeah, and it's and really it is. Because some of the shots you get, even on like older shows, fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. that scene in uh, Justice League Unlimited, probably my favorite scene when Superman hits Darkseid in the finale. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, and with a lot of that stuff, they were experimenting with CG or in the early stages of, I think, what they wanted to do with this show. Oh, yes, because that, uh, the, uh, oh, what is it called? Legion of Doom headquarters, I forget what it's called, is totally CGI on that show. And okay. so are all the uh, the Watchtowers and the Javelins, in Unlimited, anyway. In Unlimited, yeah, they switched over. Yeah. Is, that's why they destroyed the other tower. Mm-hmm. So they could switch over and it looked natural. Mm-hmm. And again, that was based on a lot of the animation that they used um, in Sub-Zero. Yes. The Batman anime film, yeah. Yeah. That That's was a good movie. Yes, it was really well done. That's kind of the beginning stages of it. Mm-hmm. It would have been neat if season four of Batman the Animated Series could have used that, but I think it's it was way too much money at the time um, to pull something like that off. Mm-hmm. So, that was cool. And again, with this chase, as impressive as it intense it was, I was really shocked at the way it ended. With it appearing, yeah, yeah. Oh my! Like I was like, they achieved victory. What the heck is going on? You know, that was a surprise to me. Yeah, especially when they went, oh, we could go home now. Yay! But I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't good. Okay, what I thought was going to happen was I thought like Hal was going to be like, all right, press the button, blow up the lighthouse, and then what was going to happen is he was going to set off a chain reaction that blew up the asteroid field based on the liberators that were dropped there. So oh, what yeah. I so I thought that Atrocitus was going to get the last laugh, be like, Kaha, you, you did it yourself. If you had have pressed that button, you still would have won. Okay. So I just thought that would have been just a mean way for them to lose. Yeah. Where it was like, like you pressed the victory switch, that because of that, you lost. Like, that would have been dirty. But I guess that was apparently too dirty for the show because they didn't go with that. But also, I don't think it would have set up as much as what we're probably going to get in the next episode. Right. Because I could see if they would have went this route that I expected, that it almost would have gave Razor nothing to do in the next episode. Right. And I think the way a certain thing ended is important to Razor's character. Do you? So. Yeah, I I do too. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, with Aya and whatnot and all of that. But 
before we get into that, I don't want to get too carried away with that because being that cliffhanger was huge. It was more than anything I could have fathomed the way it ended. But I don't want that to take away from um, me giving Phil Morris credit for another great performance of St. Walker. And I almost forgot he was in the episode. Yeah, because there was so much great stuff going on. I know. But he was equally as great in this episode as oh, yeah. everybody else. He was fantastic. Oh. And the Blue Lantern. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, was there a part in particular that you enjoyed about Phil's performance? I really liked when he wanted to um, when he wanted to go check out the Red Lantern ship. Yeah. Oh, goes like no, and he and he goes, okay, I'll do what you say. All will be well. Yeah. Love that. I also <laughs> go ahead. I was gonna say because. That all will be well line is a famous line that St. Walker uses in the yeah. comics. And for it to be said by Phil Morris on screen, it's just great. Yeah, that's one of those fanboy moments that are just awesome. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, God, I love the reference to The Blackest Night. Yes. That, that had me cool excited. Show. I'm like, ooh, are they going to go there? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But that'll be interesting to see. And also, like you, I enjoyed that struggle he had between wanting to go and fight and continuing to climb the mountain. Yes. That was really interesting. And I, I like the idea that the Red Lanterns destroyed his planet. Yes. It makes it more interesting. It explains um, his interactions with Razor in that episode. And really, it almost shows you how much like we needed a Superman-type character on oh, the yeah. show. And I and I say that in that way because Superman, as we all know, his planet was destroyed, his a whole family, a whole life lost to him, and yet he still is that noble, upstanding, quote unquote, all American Boy Scout. And that's kind of how yeah. Saint Walker is in the show. And I think we needed that on the show because we have Hal, who's kinda like the Playboy superhero, so to speak. Yeah. We have Razor who's just always angry, Aya who's trying to prove herself, and Kilowog who for lack of a better word, is like all just there, you know? It's the drill sergeant all the time. Yeah. So we needed He's the this tough type guy. of character. Yeah. yeah. We needed this type of character. Yeah, I'm and I, I can't wait. I hope he gets with the crew. And they're all interacting, because I think he'll be a nice addition to the group. Mm-hmm. And I think we are going to get some really great scenes and maybe a strong friendship developed between him and Razor. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering if he's going to help him with his relationship issues with Aya and some other st- stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And there's the Superman connection you made. I always figured that Superman would be worthy of being a Blue Lantern. Absolutely. That the ring could seek him out, much like the yellow ring did Batman, and try to get on his finger. Yeah. I could see Superman definitely as that. Again, because... Go ahead. I mean, we. I mean, we also saw Wonder Woman. She was a star sapphire. Yeah, she had the whole love thing because of her caring for humanity. Batman had fear because he strikes fear. Superman inspires hope, which is why that makes perfect sense. But again, I think he would turn it down because his purpose is so much greater than a role of just being a, a Blue Lantern. Well, not even that. I think he would want someone else to have it. That's true too. He would probably think it would make him too powerful, and he is afraid of losing control. Well, that's true, too. Again, the Blue Lantern's not really a weapon of power, per se. 
But in a way, it is. Yeah. Not, if it's used the wrong way. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But uh, the main thing, you guys, we want you to get out of this point. Phil Morris was great on this. Like, Ren, he's great in all of his superhero appearances. But mm-hmm. uh, he was really, really enjoyable as St. Walker. And I just can't wait to see more from him. And as for this cliffhanger we left you hanging on, I was first a little upset that it appeared that they were going to go with the classic luring the good guys out of the bad guy's ship for it to explode with them inside. I mean, we've seen this before. Classic Star Wars, Star Trek, sci-fi, mm-hmm. dealio. But this, like my theory about the Liberators, were just, in my opinion, really well-executed decoys. As what Atrocitus had in store for them was m- much worse than that. As Razor helps Alan Kilowog survive the ship explosion. Only for them to discover they've been hit by what I called a triple whammy. And not only did, like, one bad thing happen to these guys, the cliffhanger of this episode, there was three. <laughs> yeah. It was like, wow, this is crappy. How bad could this be? I mean, if you've heard the line, Rage of the Red Lanterns, this pretty much exemplified that. Mm-hmm. As first off, it turns out that Atrocitus throughout the episode also this is another scene that was very easy to overlook but was good is Zartok, that one-eyed guy that Kilowog fought a couple episodes ago, voiced by Clancy Brown but the Red Lanterns were coming to get him off the planet it made this whole big deal out of it and that thought, was great yes, it was hilarious that was hilarious. he really thought he was the one he's going to fight in the greatest battle he starts boasting. He goes, on, 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 on. And it turns out that Atrocitus takes the female out of his group, Druze. Isn't the female Bukia? I, I looked this up. We did originally think she was Budica, or Bukia, or whatever you want to call her. Bukia sounds like a furniture store. But... <laughs> that might be how to say it. I'm not knocking you, Michael. But it just sounds like a furniture store to me. According to the Green Lantern wiki, they are calling her Druze. And she's not Boudicca. I could have sworn they called her that in the episode before. The one where they were on that planet. I don't know. I, I'm waiting for TV.com to give us more information on if that's the character she's playing or not. I'm hearing Drews. Okay. So I'm not sure what's right. If any of you listening to the show can help us clear that up, it would be much appreciated. Or if the creators want to help us clear that up, because I know they've contacted Michael on Twitter, that would be much appreciated. So Drews gets taken off of Mogo instead of Zartok, which we said was funny, and uses her to reprogram Aya. So after her doing just this awesome stuff, she's the damsel in distress again, which kind of peeved me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling Michael has something to say about that. And then... No. Okay. But you said you had something more to say about Aya later on. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So that happens. Drews reprograms Aya. Then... That allows Atrocitus to get control of the Interceptor. Yeah, this allows him to warp speed to Oa, leaving Hal, along with his remaining crew, stranded in deep space. And as this happens, it's kind of this matter where Cal's like, oh, well, this is bad, but at least nothing worse has happened. And then normally in movies, there's like a lightning bolt comes out and it starts raining. But since this is space... Atrocitus just ends up blowing a hole 
through the asteroid field, leaving Hal Kilowog and Razor staring down the barrel of an entire fleet of Red Lantern ships. Which is not cool and almost scarier than coming face to face with Black Manta. Not cool. No. And the killer of this scenario, the thing that just absolutely gives a punch in the gut to these guys, is Hal and his crew really thought they achieved victory. And within seconds, it was yanked from their fingers. Gazatrazid has inflicted his cruel Red Lantern rage of vengeance. And uh, what do you think of that? And what's this do you have to say about Aya? You're leaving me in suspense. I don't mean to. I, all I really want to say about Aya is she says, I'm sorry, Hal, but my programming has been overridden. If her programming was overridden, why would she say sorry? I think she's... Faking it. Yeah, I think she has semi-control. Could she have foreseen a plan? What do you mean? Like, she saw the ship explode, and they came in, and she quickly calculated a plan to go along with them. If that were the case, why would Atrocitus be in there, though? I mean, they're not going to kill Atrocitus on the show. I mean, when Hal and Kilowog and Razor left the ship. Right. Do you know what I mean? She was probably alerted to or noticed that Atrocitus was on board the ship or getting on the ship. Okay. So I was wondering if she just calculated a plan to just play along with them so she could get herself in a position where she could screw them over. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So she, you know, saw the double cross and went, oh crap, the only thing I really can do is just go along with these guys on the ship until I can find an opening to screw them over. Okay. So that would be awesome. That would make me happier Mm -hmm. than just her being, like, captured again. Yes. Because we don't need her to turn into Daphne. No. Even though she's voiced by the same actress. Yes. Which is another show we need to come back. It's coming. They've animated the episode, and you've seen it. So The premiere? We don't know about the other stuff. If they've got that, the rest of it will come. Do if you build worry. it, they will come. Plus, it didn't start last year until, like, June or in the summer, so hopefully that'll all work out. So, was there any other thoughts you had on this episode? Um, great episode. A lot happened. Yes. A lot happened. Um, they put one up on Greg Wiseman's incredible ability to stuff everything in the kitchen sink in 20 minutes. Other than that, no, not. I mean, not really. I mean, I think we pretty much covered it all. Yeah, and and I think next week is going to be the big episode. I think next week is going to be a lot more fighting than actual story. Hopefully, right. should be awesome to see. So it's going to be a full on Green Lantern, Red Lantern showdown. Green Lantern invasion. Right. So I'm excited. Plus, it's called Homecoming, so that means that the battle is going to be. Raging on Oa. Raging on Oa. Not Smallville? Not Smallville. Are we sure about that? This is the 13th episode of Green Lantern, not the 200th episode of Smallville. You were about to say 100th, weren't you? No. The 100th episode of Smallville is entitled Reckoning. Again, it's a challenge to watch because it's so emotional. Moving on. So moving on to something less emotional...
We're going to talk about the who's who in the DC Nation. The Mount Animal Man. Voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, which is kind of awesome and a surprise. And Michael's actually seen Weird Al in concert. I have. It was really interesting. <laughs> so he met the voice of Animal Man. Well, not met him, but saw him from well, I, I pretty saw close him. distance. I watched him while he was sleeping. Oh, that's that's kind of creepy. That's, oh, that's... come on. You didn't get that? Oh, yeah, no. I think about it. it it's been a while since I've listened to Weird Al. No. Did you not get the reference? What reference? Remember Coulson says to Captain America, I was watching you when you were oh, sleeping? Oh, yes. Yes. See, the movie just came out in theaters, Michael. I don't normally get references with stuff until like I'm on. They're on DVD. Really? It's too okay. new. It's too new. Never mind. Too soon. What? Fine. Too soon reference. Yeah, that's what happens when you get older. Your retaining ability doesn't work so well. Anyway, this week's edition of Who's Who in the DC Nation, as we said, featured Animal Man. Have you seen any of the Animal Man shorts? Who's voiced by Weird Alien? Yes. Have you seen any of the shorts we've discussed here on this podcast? Ad nauseum. Did they sing that awesome song, which Michael's going to sing for us? Animal Man! Yes. I think you're going to agree with me on the consensus that it really wasn't necessary for us to get more background on who, Michael? Animal Man! Nice. Since the shorts make his abilities self-explanatory. But I have to give DC credit if their intention behind this who's who was to get younger readers to pick up an Animal Man comic. But uh, the tactic may end up backfiring since I think the Animal Man that's a part of the New 52 is different from the Animal Man described in this profile. Meaning that if this was to get people to pick up an Animal Man comic, they're going to be picking up an Animal Man comic than being totally confused. Yeah. So that's my opinion on that. What do okay. you think of an animal man who's who? I was fine with it, I yeah. guess. You know, it was, it was just fine. like It was there. We found out about animal man. Yeah. No big deal. Nothing to get really excited about. Yeah. That's kind of how I was with both shorts. I was just like, yeah, they weren't really that exciting. I'm like, give me a super mess friends forever. See, I really liked the Dude, vibe shorts. They're weird to me. They were funny. I don't know. I can take them or leave them. Guess we move on to these vibe shorts now. I think that with the vibe shorts, Mad Mod must have showed up at Warner Brothers with his Doctor Who TARDIS time machine that warped the animators back to the 80s. Because I really felt this short was a throwback to the short-lived Saturday morning cartoons that combined popular music with action-adventure stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. Michael, you're going to laugh at this. But with that statement... I'm talking to the MC Hammer animated series. Yes, they had an MC Hammer animated series. Do you even know who MC Hammer is? I think so. That's the guy that sings that Hammer Time song? Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Other people will get that. Well, I would always change the channel because that show was stupid for, you know, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, you know, something cool on Saturday mornings. But this short... Transformers! Nice. Sorry. And, oh yeah, speaking of Transformers, did you catch that line from Razor? Go out, Aya. Which one? He says that she's, oh, yeah. there's more about her than meets the eye. So is she a Transformer now? More than meets the eye. 
The Green yeah. Lanterns go to the Transformer planet. Go to Cybertron. Well, you know, Aya could always go back into the Interceptor. That's true. So she could be a Transformer. She could be. Anyway, the vibe short, going back to it. I thought it was better than the NC Hammer show, since it did have references to DC characters. But I felt it was goofy enough for me to expect an animated Michael Jordan with rocket-powered sneakers, who I remember from watching on TV as a kid from some animated show. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, but I thought he was going to show up and help Vibe defeat Extremo, because that's just how off-the-wall I thought this short was. What show is this that you watched? There's a show. I can't even think of it. I think it was called Pro Stars. And it was Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky and this guy named Bo Jackson, who probably people haven't don't, don't even know who they are anymore. He played for the White Sox for a little while. I know Michael Jordan. At the end of his career. And they were superheroes that used like sporting equipment to fight bad guys. And Michael Jordan had rocket-powered sneakers. Sounds like that uh, episode of Static Shock. <laughs> a little bit like that. <laughs> you you are correct. Maybe that's where they got the idea from. I don't know. Maybe that was something Dwayne McDuffie did in his early days of animation. I don't know, but it was weird. That's okay. But the animation of this vibe short reminded me of that show. It just was totally 80s. And I guess you enjoyed it because it was totally 80s. I Yeah. I like it. it. It reminded me of the Marvel's attempt to make Dazzler really popular. <laughs> Don't like that character. That's funny. How How is she helpful to the X-Men? She's not. She can just j- dance and sing, and if someone wants to have a good time, they go out with her. Like, she and jo- Jubilee, like, their powers got, like, no purpose. They're just to be there and be annoying to us fans who... Let's just shoot sparkly fireworks. It's for... What does that do? It's because probably the X-Men didn't have as many women characters. Well, yeah. And they made them, and then it turned out dumb. And then then they came up with... People were like, stop. And then they came up with awesome ones like Rogue and other people like that. And then they killed Jean Grey. Yes. Again. Again. For the 15th time. Also, with this vibe short, what was up with Professor Ivo's nose? Doesn't he look weird in the comics right now? Like, doesn't he have, like... I don't know. Like, like, he looks like a reptile in the comics right now. He looks so different every time I see him that I I can't keep straight what he looks like. Because you know he looks different on Young Justice compared to something else. and I don't know. I, I just here, don't get here. it. Here, look at this. Show there are two pictures of him up there. See, that's... And the one, he's like a reptile guy. And then the other one, he's like completely like demented reptile thing. Okay, because I was joking around in my script and said, thank God that he got a plastic surgery done before mm-hmm. Young Justice came around. Because he looked a lot better there. But I figured he got into a coma because he just couldn't stand 80 superheroes wearing bad outfits. Yeah, yeah. Because that was... Really? Oh, I see what you're saying. See? Yeah, they were kind of right. That's a really old picture of him. I know. That was probably back. Look at the the one under it, though. Look at the one at the bottom where he's like a black-skinned like lizard. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. That's what he looks like now. Is that New Fifty Two? 
Or is no, that his last appearance? That's his last appearance. That's like okay. That's around uh, one year later. Okay. And all that. So. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because they're not Justice League Unlimited. He was dead. I mean, Justice League. He was dead. Because he came in, in season two, didn't he? Or they mm-hmm. mentioned Professor Ivo in season two. Something like that, which yeah. doesn't make sense because then the whole thing with Red Tornado. But oh well. Yeah. Whatever. How does he exist? Well, let's move on to a talking about a show that actually in this episode did a what I felt was an interesting twist on a classic story from the 80s or 70s. I can't remember exactly when it occurred, but it was popular, and we'll get into that. Which story? Um, with Roy being on the drugs. But he wasn't really on drugs in this. Well, I, I'll anyway. explain. Okay. Dog's playing. It was similar to that plot line, but they didn't directly say drugs was the cause. Because so I don't want... know if they can on TV. Okay. So Well, yeah, go ahead with the... Yeah, let's talk about the Young Justice episode, Salvage. Well, Superboy and Blue Beetle better... Better. Battle Intergang... Nightwing and company try and salvage a soul of a former comrade fallen from grace. And this week, Superboy and Blue Beetle made a cake as they battered Intergang on this episode. And that's all I have to say. That was the episode. Close it up now. All right. On to Smallville Season 11. No. (laughs) No, no, no. This week's episode of Young Justice actually started out making me not want to eat a cake because I felt like I wanted to throw up. As the goon boy and Miss Martian got all cuddly to celebrate the activation of the Zeta shield. And to top it off, that stupid homewrecker, the goon boy, had the gall to tell Beast Boy to write a paper about it for school. Lame-o. Wow. You know, I hope Aqualad kills the goon boy or Black Mana does. Or Aquaman has Black Mana. No, I think he deserves to be killed by a stupid villain. I think Clarion should kill him. No, 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 no. He Killer doesn't deserve... Moth. Yes. <laughs> Killer Moth can kill Lagoon Boy. The crappiest villain ever should kill him, yes. I agree. There we go. Sorry to have created Lagoon Boy. But I think, I think Alan Moore created Lagoon Boy. Well, Alan Moore... Gotta be careful. Messed up in the head. Yeah, it's it's somebody respected Cray Lagoon Boy, but um, we we don't have anything against you. We just don't like him being with Miss Martian. He's a stupid character. <laughs> yeah, and Superboy is like a way better role model for Beast Boy than Stupid Lagoon Boy, and for kids. For kids, period. Yes, Lagoon Boy is not a good role model for kids because he's a homewrecker. Right, exactly. But the good news is, Superboy, unlike the Smallville version of the guy he's cloned after, a.k.a. Clark Kent, decides not to pine for Megan by bouncing a ball off of a barn wall. Yay, thank God. No, I wanted to see it. No, he needed to take I wanted it. to see him in Smallville doing that. No, he needed to take initiative, darn it. It's almost Valentine's Day. He's got to take initiative. So no, it is Valentine's Day in the episode. Well, this, according to Young Justice Wiki, took place on the 13th of oh. February. Well, the end of the episode takes place. Yes, the end of the episode where that boom chicka wow wow went on. Yes. And um, so Superboy's like, I'm not going to sit around. 
I'm not going to watch this disgusting love fest. And goes to Blue Beetle and says, where's Nightwing? And he's like, Nightwing's not here. So he's like, all right, Blue Beetle, you're coming with me. So he drags him out. Again, Blue Beetle might have wanted to be with his girlfriend because he does have one. But anyhow. His girlfriend is the AI of the scarab. What? No. <laughs> he has another She's girlfriend. always on him. Yeah, I know. She's always on his back. She's nagging him. But uh, we end up from here going to Washington, D.C., where Young Justice, I felt, gave us its own version of the plot line where Roy Harper, formerly known as Speedy, and now Red Arrow on this show, was discovered to be on drugs. But instead of using drugs, Greg Wiseman used Roy's obsession with finding the real version of Roy Harper he was cloned from to explain why he wasn't taking very good care of himself. He used obsession instead of drugs. Yes, pretty much that's what it was. Like with him stealing the money and stuff, or the shopkeeper and stuff, that was totally that plotline where he was buying drugs. It's just they couldn't say that stuff because it's a show on Cartoon Network on Saturday morning instead of a comic book. Correct. Even though Greg Wiseman kind of did do the drug plotline in Spider-Man with uh, the Goblin Green. Globulin Green. Globulin Green, yeah. You know, weird name for a formula, but he did address the drug thing. So he could have done something like that here, I guess. But he didn't. He went kind of the safe route, because we did need to address the clones, and that going around the drug thing would have been kind of a waste of time for the story he wanted to tell. Right. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. And then, basically... Uh, who showed up to uh, see uh, Roy and give him a little pep talk? Nightwing, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Wally West, and uh, ex-Guardian. Jim well, Harper. I his, Jim Harper, yeah. Yes, the former Guardian. Then again, I just asked you that. I did have it in my script, but I feel like I'm talking too much, so. It's going to have no, you a little talk. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. And uh, they basically had an intervention. Pretty yeah. Much. Pretty much. A drug intervention? No. No. An obsession intervention. An obsession intervention. And, uh, did you have a favorite part of, I guess, that discussion, or was there anything that like stuck out to you with about it that was Favorite part was noting? probably when Dick and Wally told him that um, he was the Roy Harper that they knew and grew up with and trained with because they went back and traced the time from when he was cloned. Yeah, I, I thought that was a good twist. That was a nice twist. Saying that you know, you're our friend and... That's how it is. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, we've seen with Superboy that he's a different person, too, than Superman. Yeah. And Superman and wants Superman. him to be that. Yeah. And I think that they were trying to get that point across to Roy as well. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, I think there was more, and as we found out at the end of the episode, there was more to the story with Roy letting everyone know there was more messed up aspects of his life than I think they know about currently. Yeah, definitely with like Cheshire and Lion. Yeah. All I can say is once Prometheus shows up on the show, Oh God. That's when I know it's all over. That's who I'm scared of. Okay. The guy took a superhero that made a rug out of him. That's, yeah, that's messed, a up. messed up. That's a little beyond black mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just do uh... Creepy guy. 
Yeah. Creepy guy. That just makes me scared when he's going to come. Don't kill Miss Martian. Superboy's <laughs> got to get back with her. Exactly. Lagoon Boy's fine. Kill him. <laughs> kill him. Enough with this one. Kill him. <laughs> Zod. Zod commands you to kill Lagoon Boy. Nice. Nice. No! And die before Michael. <laughs> yes. There you go. Now Zod's been added to your collection of personalities. Yeah. That's <laughs> they'll come up later. Yes. Well, going back to Superboy and Blue Beetle, we got more jokes about appearing that Jamie is talking to himself. Which yeah. kinda was getting old at this point in my opinion. Really? You think? A little bit. I mean, it it was getting, it was going that direction. But they fixed it, I mean, immediately addressed it before it got annoying when uh, Superboy's just like, this is weird. What the heck is going on? Why are you talking to yourself? <laughs> Leave it to the angry guy to get fed up and ask. He's like, no, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to my girlfriend. No. He has a different girlfriend. I can't think of her name. She's not really a girlfriend, officially. Okay. That it's just that girl that nags him mm-hmm. that knows all those spells and magic and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of characters and... Who probably doesn't even exist anymore. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't read Blue Beetle in a while, so I don't know. But I don't with, even think it's going anymore, is it? I thought it was. Maybe it is. Maybe. he's in. I think he's in Teen Titans. But anyway, with talking to Blue Beetle and about his backstory, we got a Ted Cord reference, which I liked. Yes, he created the Scarab. Yes, he was the second Blue Beetle. And that lined up kind of with what was going on on Smallville. So that was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the show let us hear the Scarab's voice, which was good. You know, that was something you wanted, Michael. I know, it was. I was getting a little annoyed that it, we didn't hear the vo- Ugh, voice. And were I, was, you- I mean, I was fine with them not being able to hear it, but I wanted to hear it. Were you pleased with how the voice turned out and everything? Yeah. Could have been better. I thought it worked effectively in this episode. Oh, yeah. With them, with Superboy and Blue Beetle not entirely being sure of what was going on with the creature. Mm-hmm. I thought that was helpful to have the voice in this. And they kind of showed how their relationship works. I like how Jamie described it as a, a Jiminy Cricket, but a lot meaner. <laughs> that made sense. That was a good description. And then from here, Bruno Mannheim... Who is a villain I get sick of sometimes. Yeah, he gets old pretty quick. It's like, dude, why are you working with Apocalypse? It's not going to help you at all. But he still works for them. And uh, he sticks with his cohort, Whisper Adair. It's kind of a cheesy name, but okay. And they break into the Denouncer Man. Hall of Justice! Yes! Gotta love it. Where they reanimated the Appalachian Husks within the Hall of Justice to create the Gollum to act as Intergain's enforcer. Again, as we all know, this leads to a fight where Superboy and Blue Beetle team up against the Gollum, where I thought Superboy made the dumb decision of destroying the machine that was being used to control the creature, Taprian Whisper, and Mannheim, because it put a nuclear power plant in danger of being destroyed. So that was the second dumb decision made by heroes on this week's edition of DC Nation. And actually, the Appalachians 
Yes. Fun fun fact. <clears throat> before uh, after the Infinite Crisis reboot and before the Flashpoint reboot, they're actually um what's responsible for bringing the original seven together, just like in the show. Okay. Very cool. So they kept the origin story somewhat maintained. Yep. Until Jeff Johns threw it for a loop, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool. Well, <clears throat> it was kind of good that they they kind of sort of tied Apocalypse together to the Appalachians. Yeah. So was, I'm like losing my voice or something. That's not cool. No. Must have been that musical montage that we started the show out with. What are you talking about? I, I, I don't know. There's just this thing that happened, and I hit record, and here we are. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And why would you smash the box that would send the monster on the loose to the nuclear power plant? <laughs> because you're Superboy and you're mad. Hello, Connor. Hello, Connor. Uh. Uh, thank you, Greg Wiseman, for giving us that when characters make stupid decisions. <clears throat> so perfect. I don't know what IGN smoke, and I like the line. It's funny. Now, instead of Blue Beetle, I could have kind of would have rather had Tim Drake. Yeah, that would have been old school. Yeah. I, 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 I'm looking forward to his episode. But again, there wouldn't have been that way to communicate with the monster and give us that really tragic scene where another sonic beam comes out and kills the monster. Okay. And the sound it made, it sounded like it was crying. Yeah. It was horrible. But this is where it starts to get interesting. That guy is the same guy from the previous episode who blew up the Croatian base. Is it really? Yes. Because I thought it was Black Mana the way the voice sounded. Apparently not. Remember in the first episode when... The correlations say that um, some guy hired Lobo. Yeah. This is that guy. Okay. Now, the other possibility I said on this was that it was a Blue Beetle villain. Who is basically running the light? I don't think so. Okay, so this is the guy who's running the light. I think so. Okay. That's how it sounds on the Justice League, or on the Young Justice Wiki. Is there a blue beetle villain that it could be blue beetles don't even really have like definitive villains okay all right that's the problem i I just don't know enough about that comic to Mm -hmm. know if there is a definitive villain or that they were trying to bring in the nemesis for him or what it was yeah what villain could fire sonic beams like that how do we know he wasn't using something that could fire sonic beams that's That's the only problem with that see they're really trying to keep this guy hidden, and I think he's the master boss in um, the Young Justice Legacy game. I think he's that mystery guy. Okay. So, so we really him. don't know. Well, he did look like somebody from Apocalypse. The way his body was shaped and stuff. He was too small to be dark side. Yeah. See, I thought he was Black Mana with the voice. But his head wasn't big enough. Yeah, I guess. And his armor wasn't big enough either. Unless he had the mask off, I don't know. But the armor was still pretty big. Could it be a like a good guy turned evil surprise character? Tempest? Ah. Maybe? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a big it could be there. the original Roy. Oh, that would be nuts. 
Do you think that's possible? I don't know. Because the original Roy, Roy years, trying to strike out revenge. But he could have been reprogrammed. Oh man. Plus and it's then, five years. And then Sportsmaster's working for him? What a crazy family dilemma. Yeah. Wow. Can wait till Artemis finds out about this. No kidding. This could get wild. Going back to the other plot line, the intervention with Roy ends up failing for the most part. Because Wally returns home concerned his friend will never find help. But he finds comfort in the answer to that burning question we have had here on ATADC Nation. Where in the world is Artemis Crockett? Oh yeah. And the answer actually is simple. It's Wally's bedroom. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yes. As basically it appears to us, Wally retired from Young Justice to bring home one last big souvenir, Artemis, who now apparently lives and is in a romance with Wally, meaning that love still does exist within the Young Justice universe. Yay! Yay. Eat that, Lagoon Boy. Which... Booyah. Now comes to something else. Uh-oh. No, not really. Not not bad. But I'm just connecting Wally's retirement with another plot line in the comics. Yes. Um, I literally just read this story last night. I was reading Teen T- New Teen Titans. Judas Contract. Oh, boy. The, be- the beginning of the storyline, Wally quits. Because he wants to go to college, which is basically the storyline that they give you here. Okay. How which does he come back after that plot line? When Barry dies. That's what I'm oh, getting at. Oh, boy. I still think it has to happen. So Barry could die in a future episode on this show. My guess is close to the finale. Wow, that would be a big episode. Yeah. That would be interesting to watch. I was going back... Because I went back through my Flash reading days as well, because I'm a huge Wally West fan. Because angered that DC killed him off. Darn it. Wally left the Titans for another reason, that he came down with a condition that something like if he ran too fast, he would deteriorate. Yeah. And I think that was around the same time that everything with Barry went down with Infinite Crisis. That he got cured of it right around that time. Yes. As well. Cured, okay. Cured, yes. I thought you were going to say that happened around then. I'm like, mm. So was that happening occur in tandem with him going to college? Yeah, and he also had like a girlfriend at the time. I forget what her name was. Okay. But he, she was important to him, and yeah. Did she get killed? I think she dies in Infinite Crisis, but I don't know for sure. Oh, my God. So that's what I thought is he had. And she was blonde. Oh, no. Because I just thought he came down with this condition. He got out. And I was really happy about this and happy for Wally. And glad to see that at least someone stayed together on this show. Because I just distraught about Super White and Miss Martian. I needed some kind of gratification for something. But I did have this fear in the back of my mind that something horrible was going to happen to one of them to get them back into the superhero game. Because that's normally what happens with these types of scenarios. Because one or the other gets killed, and it's really bad. Mm -hmm. And it gave me flashbacks of an X-Men animated series episode with Iceman, 
where he basically left Xavier's school to have a normal life with Polaris. Then I think go to college in the same way. Who? And that turned out really bad. X-Men animated series. And who was the character? Uh, Polaris. I oh, isn't that... No, never mind. The green-haired, magnetic girl. Oh, her. 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 And again, that did not happen in the comics. That was only in the animated series continuity. Her. But uh, she was a love interest of Iceman. So that was correct, but the breakup was different in the um, Her. comics than the By the way, animated series. Yes. You really need to start reading the Amazing Spider-Man comic again. Start with issue um, 682. It's already that far along. It's, it's 682 now? Yeah. Jeez. It's twice a month now, Dan. Ugh. It's really good. I know. It's just it's so much a month. It's hard to keep track of it. I, I will. I have to start back on that. Because that's that story I was telling you about. The end Is of the there year. a way I could get caught up fast? What do you mean? Like, get a recap or summary on everything that's happened up to that point? Because um, I realize I'm about 82 issues behind now. Well, I think about it. You could just look it up on Wikipedia, probably. Okay. It'd probably give you a Because I feel like I need to know at least what happened with Spider Island and some stuff. I have not read all Spider Island. I need to. Okay. And I'm getting that right now. That, that's something I definitely need to do. So, yeah, there's that. But uh, do you think something bad's going to happen with Artemis and Wally? Going back to this? I want to say no, but I'm just not sure. So, sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll just have to wait and see that. And as for Roy, going back to him, he returns to a burnt-out apartment where he is presented by Cheshire, who is now his wife, which might have been a surprise to some of you who don't know a lot about comics. Michael and I kind of knew I, this was coming. It was still a surprise to me. Yeah. Only because why would they be married? It doesn't make sense. Well, it's been five years. It's possible. There was time for that to happen. And uh, he ends up being presented, Roy does, with the very thing that caused him to turn his life around in the comics. And that's his daughter, Leanne, who Cheshire needs Roy to help raise. And she does this under the promise of giving him one last chance to find the real Roy. Which means that your theory, Michael, where it could be the real Roy, the shadowy figure, that still kind of holds up. Yes. So we'll see. Because I really hope that's it, because that would be really cool to see how they do that. But with Leanne now appearing on Young Justice... It could mean that it's Prometheus. It could be Prometheus, yeah. That's my problem. Which would be kind of frightening and scary at the same time. Especially when Batman is not on the planet. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. You can't fight Prometheus without Batman. Oh boy. Well, you can, but... You're going to be slightly at a disadvantage. And he's a villain that I think is much scarier than Black Manta. As I said before. But uh, if Prometheus actually is behind the light and the big bad on this show, who knows what kind of crazy crap Greg Weisman would try to pull off with him. That's either either him or Deathstroke. Oh my. This is going to get wild up in here. It's going to get wild up in here. We're going to get a fight. It's going to be a throwdown. And as closing notes, and I'll let you give yours, Michael, after I give mine, 
This just seemed to be a Young Justice episode that seemed to begin the transition away from getting caught up with all the returning characters after five years and just laying down new material that I'm really excited about because it seems to be set up to give us animated interpretations of stories from the comics I love, such as Cry for Justice, um, Roy's redemption from, I guess, being a clone. Um, he was on drugs in the comics, but we might be getting stories that I really enjoy, and Greg Wiseman's going to give us his interpretation of them. So I'm really excited to see with that you know, what's more to come with this show, because this season, every episode's been outstanding, and I just keep wanting more. So what was your closing thoughts, Michael? Not better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Um, well, basically, my closing for Young Justice is... Uh, as, as much as I'm loving what's going on now, and this is a little different from yours, but um, I, I really want my core team back. And I'm really looking forward yeah. to them coming back and being a team again. And, you know, I, I do like the new characters. I like uh, some of the new characters. And some of them make sense. Some yeah. of them don't. Some of them I hate. Some of them I love. I mean, it, it, that's how it's going to be for everyone. But um, I, I'm looking forward every week. They've put attention on the right ones so far, in my opinion. Yeah. And it seems to be way more of Super Mar- um, Superboys get Miss Martians story altogether. I almost said Super Miss Mar- Super Martian. But anyway. Well, Super Martian is what we call it. Yeah, that's true. That's the shipping name. That's the shipping name. But uh, it seems like this season is more focused on them and their whole love story and the complications of that. So if they stick with that, I think that's good. It's got me excited. I like a little mm. more Nightwing, though. That's all I gotta say. Bat yeah. Family episode, please. Yes. Would be cool. Yes. We saw them fight together. Give us a Bat Family episode. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So with that, I think we've tackled this all enough. People are probably tired of hearing us talk by now. So we're going to move on to talking about our next segment here, which is on the Smallville Season 11 comic books written by Brian Q. Miller. And this is Guardian Part 5. So take it away with the summary, Michael. Somebody say- It's launch day, and tension is running high. Lex is confident things will go as planned, but when the shuttle explodes in midair, only one person can save the day. And that's Superman. So let's take it away with our discussion on Smallville Season 11, Guardian Chapter 5. What season are we I always wanted to say Smallville. I always said Smallville Season 5. Go like, whoa, that's not right. Um, okay. Right. Especially with chapter five of Guardian, but Right. And this issue on the first page kind of started it out with a lot of flashback to season six. So that season five mention would have really screwed people up. (laughs) And basically we've got the first confrontation between Lex and Oliver that we've seen since Oliver technically blew up his clone in the truck. Right? We're going with clone? Correct. That was blown up in the truck? Okay. So, they went at it with each other. Which was great. Yes, Lex is overlooking the launch, and Gulliver shows up, and he's just like, what are you doing? You're causing trouble, and Lex is like, 
baiting him because he's the superhero. It probably has put two and two together that he was the guy who shot the arrow that scratched his cheek. Injustice. He but he doesn't know that. Uh, I was he doesn't just... remember. He might remember that. How did he get this scar here? <laughs> no, he doesn't get scars, remember? I Kryptonite know. Balance. I think that would have been awesome if they left. He had a permanent scar from Green Arrow's arrow. That would have been awesome. That would have been pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's so Flex is like, oh, I could always talk to the Green Arrow. Um, I, I, I kind of like Oliver's line in where he's and like like what do you say again? We lost you a second. Say that again. What was the line you liked? I'm losing you all over the place. I like the line where uh, Oliver says, "I know what you're capable of." And Lex kind of is like, I have no idea what I'm capable of, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Rosenbaum would have played that really, really well. I can hear his voice on some of those lines, especially that one. Mm-hmm. I like I like the humor there. Yeah. And by the way, Lex is definitely the leader of the Black Hand group. Right, exactly. That that glove, the black very, glove, gets very uh, Darth Vaderish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not that much. Not not entirely De- Lex Vader. There. No. This is it. Season six. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Lex feels that uh, Tess took the took his memories away. Getting wants Oliver to feel sorry for him about that, which we know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Oliver's a little ticked off here about what happened to Tess. He feels that uh, Lex is pretty much dragging Tess's image through the mud. Pretty much is. Yeah. I mean, all that development with her, and now all of it's gone. Yeah. And and really, I thought Oliver captured that development well and said, you know, she came around, technically she died a hero. was really what I felt he was trying to get across there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and well, I like how he, he pretty much, Oliver just pretty much declares... I'm going to prove Lex Luthor's a murderer. Some way, somehow, I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lex is basically, try me. And then it men- her Lex mentions, uh, the mysterious facility Queen Industries has been constructing on the far side of the moon. Ooh. A little clubhouse for our super friends. The ultimate watchtower. Yes. And I loved it how Brian referred to it as a clubhouse for our super friends. Mm -hmm. We can tell he's an old school super friends fan with that. 
<laughs> Did we ever have a clubhouse, Ollie? We were friends once when we were children. Oh, that's weren't we? This is the flashback scene. That's that's pretty. That scary. reminds me of the funniest moment in the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is pretty. Creepy. It's a black mana moment. Uh, we weren't friends when you talked to me. That creepy. <laughs> you could <laughs> say that. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but then we get that awesome flashback panel. Yeah. Well, like one of the funniest moments of all Smallville history when Duncan gets totaled by the truck. Okay, that freaked people out, Michael. It, it freaked me out the a... first time, and now from now on I just laugh. Uh, I guess if you rewatch it, it's, it's not hilarious. as bad. The way you watch it, like once you rewatch it a few times, and he's like crying and freaking out and yelling at everyone, and then he gets hit by the car, it's like, yeah, you deserve that car screen. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Do you say he's Lexus Starscream? Yes, I he's am. He's the original Otis. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good. Go By on. the way, you know that Transformers Time Show? Yes. And my friend was telling me about it. Or yes. And you'll never guess how they put Unicron in the show. How? Unicron is Earth. That's messed up. Actually, no, that's not. Because he was... He caused all the crazy stuff to happen on Earth during Beast Wars. Yeah, but they make him the planet Earth that humans oh. live on. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Wild twist. I, I was a little ticked at that point. I was like, tell me no more. I thought Unicron was a bad guy. He is. They did something to make him like calm or something, and then they made him Earth. And apparently they're trying to stop him from destroying himself or something. It's weird. Yeah, that's a little creepy. We're in tune with nature again with Transformers. <laughs> Have you seen Beast Machines? It didn't work the first time. Uh, and they were CGI too. Yes, they were. That show totally destroyed Beast Wars, but <laughs> moving back to Smallville... I I thought it was interesting that they did the flashback to the past between Oliver and Lex, their childhood. Which Lex says he's glad he forgot. Because he forgot how much of a pansy he was back then. <laughs> <laughs> and a Warrior Angel fan? Yeah. Being a Warrior Angel fan is fine, just, I don't know. Well... I would. Wouldn't you think if you were a Warrior Angel fan and then you saw Superman, you'd be a little more embraceive of him? Do you think that's kind of a hidden blessing, I guess, in Lex Luthor's memory loss, is that he hates Superman instead of loves him? I guess. I mean, a blessing for us comic fans, not for him. And for but but he did show. say he gave up on heroes like Warrior Angel during season six. Yeah, I guess you're right. But still, I mean, just the knowledge and the knowing that heroes like that could potentially exist. Right. I love the red sky, too. Yes. And the clouds with the sun behind it. That's amazing. That's it's, Kansas. Well, it also felt very um, Gotham City Batman that made series season four like. It really did. But, yeah. And then we cut to Clark 
talking to Commander Hank Henshaw, seeing if, he, seeing if he's the Played real... Played by Adam Sandler. Yes. Seeing if he's the real hero deal. And he eats his, just as much as the Flash. That's exactly what first came to my mind. I'm like, Bart Allen. Yeah, it's kind of on the same wavelength. But he wants people to call him Hank, not Bart. Because this is Hank Henshaw we're talking about, not Bart Allen. Yeah. And this really felt like a scene that we kind of got in The Dark Knight and also uh, Bruce Wayne Harvey Dent stories where Mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne does things to feel him out, see if he's the real deal. Seeing almost if he could be a replacement to him so it could make his job easier or him not have to do his job at all. Yeah, I can agree with that. That that's how I was taking it. And I thought this was a great foreshadowing on Brian Q. Miller's part talking about how he loves to feel the taste and sensation of everything around him. Which, as we all know, the cyborg cannot. Right. So we know why he goes crazy. <laughs> No kidding. At least we get a mention of his wife, which is from the comics. Yes, but it sounds like she's not going to have something horrific happen to her. Or not. It could still happen. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, it re- yeah, it really did like what you said. I really like that he kind of makes them become friends in a way. And- right. Clark sees the good in him, and I think he's going to try and want to redeem him. Well, I, cyborg. I I think that's a thing that Smallville's always done with their villains, is it someone Clark's related to or have gotten close with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, a lot of the, even going back to early seasons of the show, a lot of the meteor freaks he was friends with first or connected with in some way. Yeah. And on some occasions, as we know, with was Greg Arkin, right? Correct. That he can redeem them as well. Or at least try to do that. Well, he tried with Eric Summers. Right. That didn't work. And it seems like this is kind of the same situation. Obviously, we know it's not going to work here. But I like that hope that it could be okay. And well, it, and... and- I was just going to say, and the, and the thing is, in the Smallville universe, we never know. It could work. I mean, Metello right. was almost kind of redeemed in his own way. I mean, obviously, something happened in between seasons 9 and... Crap. In between seasons 9 and 10, which changed that. Yeah. But for a period of time, he was redeemed, and I think you could potentially do that with Hank Henshaw. Yeah, I, I agree. Um... That definitely makes sense. And and Smallville fans reading this and people who haven't like been as involved in comic books like us, I mean, they don't know any better. Yeah, until we get this line that Mr. Luther and his team have given me purpose. Well, yeah. We all know how that works out. Yeah. 3.1? What? Yeah. But even here, like Clark kind of wants to believe that maybe Lex is doing the right thing here. Mm. I, I still like that idea. And I think partially the memory loss has left the door open that maybe, you know, I think he's leery of Lex, but I think he's still kind of hoping that maybe he'll use his second chance on life to do the right thing. 
Well, I mean, that's how it always is with Lex Luthor. Comics or TV show or not, I mean, Superman generally wants Lex Luthor not only to succeed for the good of mankind, but to personally succeed as well. Well, and also, I think, and he said it perfectly here, where he says, he tries to convince Hank Henshaw that the world isn't as bad off as Mr. Luthor would have people believe. Mm-hmm. So almost if Lex could be redeemed, it makes the world look not so bad. Yeah. So I like that Absolutely. look into the symbol of Superman and the psyche of him and the symbol that he's trying to express to the world. I, Brian Speaking of symbol... Of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that line. And then I really like this debate that happens on the next page where Hank Henshaw, he asks, why isn't Superman, you know, reactive? Well, he's, I guess everything Superman's doing is reactive. And he wants to know why Superman's not out there trying to stop things before they happen. But I like Clark's response. Yeah, he immediately responds to this. You know, Superman doesn't want to impose his will on others. So I'm wondering if at first... Going along with the the cyborg Superman concept introduced, I'm wondering if Tank Henshaw is the first thing he's going to attempt to do, and eventually he's probably going to go towards evil just based on losing his ability to basically feel the sensations of the world. He might be try he might try to start out as a hero that imposes his will on on others. Could you Which see could that very well happen? So Absolutely, he, I could definitely see that. So maybe we might get some of it a an anti-hero character. You um, you could almost say it's kind of like Eddie Brock. Yeah, he maybe hates this one person, but he values innocent lives. Right, exactly. Maybe he hates Lex Luthor. Maybe he hates Superman, or maybe he ends up hating both. I don't know. Well, that's but what makes it, and he values everyone else. Right, and that's what makes Smallville so great. Because it's more so based in reality. And a lot of the big-time villains they've had on exists within a gray area, I felt. Except for maybe Zod. Well, but when Zod, Zod first came in... Well, but when the both Zods... First and current. Yes, but when both Zods came into the equation, you know, the one back on Krypton, and then the clone, they were both good people and wanted to start out a good thing as as good people. Well, not when the first thought was introduced, but originally, and then that changed, obviously. Right. But, but I think that's true for most great villains. I think that's true for everyone in their life. But uh, Smallville does a nice job of, except for maybe um, Brainiac, of making them not fully evil. That there's a side to sympathize with them. Well, there is Brainiac Five. Yes, and he wasn't created to hate Kal El. He wasn't yeah. supposed to do any of that. It was Zod's corruption, right? Exactly. I mean, everything. That, I guess that's the the idea of Smallville is that all of the villains are basically people that have been corrupted, and you feel sorry for them to a certain extent. Absolutely. E- even Bizarro, you felt sorry for. When Lana duped him like the way she did. Oh, yeah. When that happened. So, 
that's the neat thing about Smallville is, you know, you hate the villains and you want to see Superman defeat them, but at the same time, you feel sorry for them at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more of a Smallville thing than um, what we get in the Superman comic books. Especially currently. Especially currently, I agree. Which is why this comic, as well as Superman Beyond, are such great, are so great for us currently. Because I mean, it's the only traditional Superman we're ever going to get at this point. Sadly. Right. Well, it's it's a but, humble Superman. Well, it's, it's a real not, Superman. It's that I'm going to go fly into a building, then hang a guy off the edge of a building, then threaten him. And risk Yes. That's what Batman <laughs> does. Larson? Batman yeah. does that. Yeah. That's not Batman realistic. Not <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not. let's be honest here. If Superman wasn't raised by Jonathan and Martha Kent and didn't have the values of Jor-El and Lara, he'd probably end up like that. True. Let's, Clark yeah. Luthor. Clark Luthor, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I really like how they leave things with Clark and Hank Henshaw. I mean, it really sets up this suspense that something bad's going to happen, as he says. What goes up must come down, right? And lo and behold. But again, that kind of plays the Superman, too. You know, the mm-hmm. idea that things are really looking up for Clark right now, because something may happen that may ground him back down, can mess with his confidence a little bit. But he'll get it back pretty quick. He usually does. Well, and he's got some moral support with his good pal, Chloe. Well, now he's Superman. Right, and that's true, too. But he also has his friends and, and lovely fiance to support him. <laughs> fiance for... Years on. Yes, and his his good bud, Chloe, she's at Star Labs chilling with our man, Emil. Who was drawn better this issue, I think. Yes, and she is waiting for the ship to launch. She's pretty much preparing for something bad to happen, but at the same time, she's looking for this ship that went into orbit. Or that, I mean, that landed on Earth. Yep. And guess where, of course, it lands. Why would anything crash anywhere else? Smallville! Because that's just where spaceships need to land. Got Earth, you know. There's However, the, before we get to that... There's those guys in Smallville, you know, waving those cone things. <laughs> you know, come here, with aliens! Their, with their tinfoil hat. Yeah, but but the, the lights actually glow, glow green instead of, you know, a normal light color. But then the ship launches. The light bulbs in these in these uh, signals are made from kryptonite from the lake. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the next chapter of Smallville Season 11. The crazy air traffic controller guys get Smallville turning into meteor freaks. Brian? Because uh, the, the next episode will be entitled Traffic? <laughs> traffic. That's and... a movie about drug trafficking. <laughs> Great. They're Thanks trafficking. They're trafficking kryptonite drugs. Those steroids. Yeah. 
that those guys yeah, used. We, we, we've seen that. Yeah, it's possible. Or or Kryptonite Gub. Episode two traffic. Or Kryptonite Gub. Stride. Or Kryptonite Gum. Stride. There we go, Stride. We just gave you a shout out there. We gave you an in. Sponsorship, please. Yes. We need a Stride sponsorship. There we go, yeah. That's who we need to get. Yeah, Stride Gum, right. So you can chew their gum and stretch out. So, so anyway, it's Mission Control. We're back to real Smallville, serious Smallville. And Mission Control has lift off. The ship's taking off. Lois, of course, pulls the classic Star Wars line. I've got a bad feeling about this. And ironically, Clark is like, you know, this is this could be a good thing. It's going to work out. He's got the optimism and everything. He's Superman. You know, and, and he wants... You know, he hopes that he can get some help. That it might make things better for him. So I don't, you know... I still feel like this is a little bit... It's, it's being humble with Clark. But it's also somewhat... Goes into a little bit of his confidence issues. I mean, I know he's come a long way with season one, but this still gives me the sense that he feels like maybe someone could do my job better. That maybe I'm not totally suited for doing this job entirely yet. Oh, no. Let's not go there I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to go really deep, but it, it's still, like, touched upon that that Clark needs, you know, just a little bit more confidence in what he's doing. I don't even I don't think it's what it. he's doing. I think it's more like he thinks someone else could help. Yeah. Like I don't think I think he's confident in himself and in being Superman. Yeah. I just think he wouldn't mind. I just yeah, think he wouldn't mind having someone else. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, there there are other heroes out there, like Oliver and people that are there to help him. Arrow premieres this fall on the CW. Yeah. But he does have other people out there, I mean, helping him. And I almost felt like it's now, now Clark has confidence in himself, but I don't know if he has the full confidence that all the other people believe that they can accept Superman. You know, I feel like he thinks maybe they'd be better off if they had a human hero. Maybe they'd be better off, you know, if they didn't have me. And so mm-hmm. I think where we're at now is him understanding that yes the world needs Superman you know he he gets that he can be Superman that do that job but he doesn't know why the world needs him necessarily yet my question is where the hell is Jimmy Olsen (laughs) well it doesn't make sense because how old would he be now it doesn't matter well maybe he comes this season maybe they just haven't gone there yet maybe there's too much to cover with getting caught up with everybody and um, establishing, you know, Adam Sandler becoming the cyborg Superman. No, take that shot. Quit. You never quit. <laughs> yes, Adam Sandler has. Uh, Hank Henshaw. And I like this. Clark's like, I'm not, still not sure about Lex, but maybe this Hank Henshaw guy can do it. You know, if he started Happy Gilmore, yeah. he can do this. 
No, no, no. Thank Henshaw and Adam Slyther are different things. What? What are you even saying? So the, the space shuttle takes off. Things seem to be going well, but as we know from Colonel Dron, Jameson, and Spider-Man, just because the ship has taken off doesn't mean things are necessarily going to work out. And Everything no, is not what it seems. If, sorry. Oh my god, no. This is a wizard, <laughs> Wizards of Waverly Place. And no black goo appeared on Tank Headshaw's shuttle. But uh, things aren't good. And it looks like everyone's freaking out. Lois is scared. And it looks like a job for Superman. But does Superman say that? No. Some weird chick that looks like she's dressed as Master Chief from Halo. I know. something to say about this. And who is this? Okay, one, it's not Evan Sure. And two, Kryptonians don't wear spacesuits, so it can't be a Kryptonian. And three, she knows who Superman is. A Legion member? But why would they be in a spaceship? Would they come in a time bubble? You would think. Uh, and it can't be Kara, because she went well, to the future, uh, right? Yeah, she's in the future. Plus, I wouldn't want to bring Kara back this early. Do we need to establish? Yeah, it's a little early. Superman is Superman. Um, anybody else in space? Female character from space? Maxima, but she wouldn't know about Superman yet. No. Would she? And what haven't heard? Didn't she get sent back to her? Yeah. Planet. Uh. But they would know Superman. Would that make it someone from the future? Not well, not necessarily. He's been Superman for six months. I'm trying to think, what female character wears a spacesuit in the DC universe? Especially like that. Yeah. You don't know. You don't think it's Lana, is it? Why would she be in space? I, I, I don't know. Oh, no, because he's... Oh, crap. What? Do you remember what Brian said? We asked him about three characters. Martha Kent, Lana Lang, and Connor Kent. And he said one of them has an arc. God, oh, jeez. Brian, no... It better Fry it. <laughs> he wouldn't tell us who it was. But the it was CW wants to advertise Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, they're using Brian to do it. Oh my god. The farthest. And in turn, he's working on Arrow. No. I, I wouldn't mind that, but that Beauty and the Beast show with Chrissy Kerrick. Go. That looks. Yeah. Five episodes. Maybe less. It is a CW. They may give it a whole season. Just because they need to fill the time. Didn't they give it a whole season? Well, maybe maybe this isn't like... But again, with Lana, could this be like a lead suit she's wearing? So she could get close to Clark? It's definitely a female. Can help him fight? That's stupid. And it's kind of stupid. I don't like it. Okay, let's, let's think about this. What characters in the DC Universe... Wear a spacesuit. Adam Strange. 
That's a female. Adam Strange's wife. You are not helping. She she does. Uh, <laughs> um, Alana? Alana, yes. I don't know. But why the... I don't know. Not sure. I, we're stumped right now. Guess we're going to have to wait till next week. No. We have to figure this out. Oh, my God. Who? As the time clicks away. Um, I don't know. I We may have to go out to the Twitter on this one. Let me look. People need, to give us su- people need to give us suggestions. If we don't find one, someone, if you're listening, please send us one. Right? Our Twitter is across the airwaves. There's no the Add in across. there. Add across the airwaves. Twitter.com slash across the airwaves. Oh, by the Oh, okay. So I did say on Twitter, and I forgot to tell you this, that I said, just read issue five, and I sent this to Brian of season 11. Awesome, but the alien is definitely not Abin Sir. Then he responded, correct. Also, in all caps, depends on how you define alien. Hmm. It depends on how you define alien. Yeah. So. Past characters. Gone Smallville. What was there? Was there any meteor freaks or anything that like went into space? No, okay. no one went into space besides Brainiac and Terra. Okay, and Clark at the end. Could it be someone from Apocalypse? A new god, maybe? Could it be Barda? That's an interesting thought process. But why? We're kind of done with that. Are we? I don't know. Lex keeps mentioning the parademons. What if... Hmm. What if it's somehow like Henshaw's wife from the future or something wacky like that? But why would she be in a spaceship? I don't know. I don't know. Who else? I mean, my guess it could be somebody from the future. Would it be a Legion member then? Maybe. Like, I'm wondering if they wear this outfit as some kind of protection thing. Not that it's their normal look. And so he left it just so we're like, oh, who the heck is this? I don't know. I mean, it's got to be someone that knows Clark. Well, and knows who that he's Superman. Yeah. Well, could it be a villain? Mm. Well, I doubt that because Hank Henshaw is the villain, right? Is he the only villain? I don't know. I would say Feora. Or Earth, but that wouldn't make sense. No. Would it? No. Could it be someone from New Krypton? 
That's possible. That came looking for him or something? That's definitely possible. Because they, they essentially couldn't breathe in space. No, they couldn't. Because they, they got their powers Oh, no, they away. couldn't. Because they're... Yeah. No, you're right. Ugh. That would be interesting if it was. Hmm. Could it be a strange visitor? What do you mean? You know who that is, right? Strange visitor? That that woman who took uh, Superman's containment suit, you know, the electric blue one? Oh, yeah. Could it be her? No. That's a little weird. Could, okay, Tracy 13. <gasps> Could it be Matrix? That's an interesting thought process. Because Matrix did come very, very early in Superman's career. And let's think about it. With Caragon, yeah. Supergirl. Matrix is very complicated, though. I don't know if Brian wants to get that complicated. Don't make it... He could make it well, less Well, I, I just feel like there's other things you could cover besides Matrix. I don't know. Well, that's just me. Smallville takes a lot from that era of comics. Yeah. I just always thought Matrix was complicated, in my opinion. Like, I just never wanted to touch that. Well, true, but I mean... <sighs> could make it better. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I just feel like we're spinning our wheels here. So I think... You ready to move on to closing? I guess. You guess. I guess. We're just going to have to wait in suspense to see who this person is. I hate suspense. Those are some great theories, though. I'll throw those out there. Especially when you're referencing people that I've, like, completely forgot about, so... <laughs> That's impressive. Great theories, Michael. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> no, I do know who you're talking about, but I'm like, wow, those are blasts for the past. I haven't read about them in a long time. Because a lot of them have disappeared. Which is why it would be great to bring them back. Okay, Jeff Some Johns. of them, anyway. Some of them, anyway. Okay, Jeff Johns. <laughs> Anyhow. I'll explain it. Michael, uh, now that we're moving on to the closing, would you like to tell us which episodes of Green Lantern and Young Justice we're covering next week? On next week's Across the Airwaves DC Nation podcast, we'll be covering the Green Lantern animated series finale, Homecoming, in which Atrocitus in the Stolen Interceptor infiltrates Oa, beginning the Red Lantern invasion. After that, we will be covering three new DC Nation shorts, of whichever they decide to air. And after that, the Young Justice Invasion episode, Beneath, including Blue Beetle, Miss Martian, Wonder Girl, Batgirl, and Bumblebee. Beetle has a lot of females on his hand next week. <laughs> and we'll see how that turns Blue out. Beetle and the females. The ladies' plan. And after <laughs> that, we'll be covering the sixth installment of the Smallville Season 11's premiere, Guardian, which means we will be halfway through the story arc. Very good. Very exciting to hear. And hopefully we'll get some answers. About Smallville, yes. 
Yeah, th- about Smallville. Well, about, I mean, Young Justice too, And some awesome kick-ass scenes of the Green Lantern, but Green Lantern's going to be intense. Yes. That's going to be huge. Oh, and by the way, I just looked up the names of the shorts for next week. Yeah. And we've got one called Sword of the Atom. And another... Oh, no. And another Super Best Friends Forever, the title Name Game. Do you know what that Sword of the Atom one is? What is that about? That's those, um... Remember that old series where the Atom was, like, a teenager? And then he got all weird, and then he, like... Shrunk down to live with those tribal people? Yeah. That's what that's about? The comic was called Sword of the Atom. That could I, be kind of I fun, swear. actually. And he had a sword. Yeah. That could be kind of fun. James Robinson liked that comic. So maybe he'll he'll be doing the shorts. I like James Robinson. That would be fun if he was writing them. I don't know. But yeah, that's what that comic was called. Well, and he had that weird like skirt thing. We'll see if that's what we get. And then, of course, if that short's bad, we get a nice recovery because we're going to see about Super Best Friends Forever. With a, with a new short called Name Game. So I don't know if we're going to be singing, having the the three girls sing their own rendition of the Name Game with superhero character names. Oh I don't know what that means, but uh, that could be fun. That could be fun. And maybe Michael will sing the Name Game next week, too. Maybe he will. We'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll have our own Name Game featuring Thor. <laughs> but before... We have next week's episode. I advise you to check out Retro Reviews, hosted by our very own Michael J. Petty and his partner in Cry Woo Kim. God, they've just recently released an episode. What's it on? The most recent one we did was a Memorial Day episode, which I literally just released like an hour ago. Yes. And it's called The Star Spangled Memorial Day, and it's dedicated to our friend James Hansen and and military. And we cover the episodes Patriot and Beacon, which I know we did that live show on Patriot. Yes. Do you remember that last year? Oh, my gosh. That was fun. And then we cover it. Yeah, well, it was fun. It was disappointing at the time. And then afterwards, we were like, hey, this is a good episode. But um, then we also talk about uh, Guardian. Yes. Which is the season premiere. And a little bit about Avengers. Cool. Which would told me at the end of the episode that he saw, right as we close ourselves out. Jeez. Well, we will also be doing a review on that on the original Across the Airways as well. So look out for that, too. And uh, Retro Reviews, as Michael just said, is kind of a mixed bag of things, including Fast Smallville episodes, current superhero discussion, and more. So check that out. Also coming soon, and we should be recording this come Monday, I think. We're going to do our first Road to the Dark Knight Rises podcast, where we're going to be watching Batman Begins as a part of our series of audio commentaries leading up to the release of the final and highly anticipated film in the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy coming out July 20th, entitled what, Announcer Man? Road to the Dark Knight Rises. Well, no, what's the name of the movie? The Dark Knight Rises. Yes, coming out on July 20th. And we are pumped up for that, along with Amazing Spider-Man. Also, if you'd like to talk to us about 
who you think the mysterious space woman is at the end of this Smallville comic book. Or if you want to talk about any of your crackpot theories you have about any of the shows we covered on ATA, feel free to send us an email. Get across the airwaves at gmail.com. Again, that's across the airwaves at gmail.com. Also, I would advise you guys to keep in touch with us on Facebook, where you will get all sorts of movie and TV news that my co-host on the original Across the Airwaves, Nico Reifstech, finds out during the week. And also, I'm posting some news articles there, too. Now I've got a little bit more time on my hands, though, that ATA's got hiatus. Also on Facebook, it'll keep you updated on our podcast episode releases. Again, you can get this same information by following us on Twitter. Again, that's Across Airwaves. There's no the on there. Again, it's just Across Airwaves. And just hook us up on Twitter for all sorts of insight on what we have going on here on the podcast. Again, you can do the same thing by following us on Google+, then becoming a part of our circle. So that's great. And also, if you'd like, you could leave us a voicemail with possibly a question or a theory you have about any of the shows we cover. And what number can you call to give us a voicemail, Michael? one seven seven three eight oh nine three three six three one seven seven three eight oh nine three three six three also you can access our youtube channel which features all sorts of previews and promos for upcoming summer movies across the airwaves events which are videos put together by michael as well as the dc nation shorts that we discuss on this podcast we pretty much have them all listed in our playlist so if you want to Get caught up on DC Nation shorts that we discuss here. Keep up with that. And also we have an archive of News with Nico episodes where Nico does a video podcast that provides you with movie and television news that he finds out during the week. And again, Nico has discontinued this due to a little tiff he had with YouTube, but the past archive stuff episodes are on there, so be sure to check that out. And if you don't want to go back... What? Discontinued? Yes. Why didn't I hear about this? Because it was recently... He told me that, like, yesterday. So, soon. So that's oh. a new announcement. That's why I'm throwing it out there gotcha. now. So that's, that's just a new update gotcha. to ATA as of this week. Also, if you don't want to go back through and listen to this whole podcast for all the ways you could contact us, you could download our Android app which will allow you to keep updated on our podcast through your cellular phone. Then you can listen to our podcast episodes through using this Android app, as well as contact us all through your phone. So once again, for Michael's Retro Reviews co-host, Wu Kim, and my regular Across the Airwaves co-host, Nico Reifstech, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Michael J. Petty. And until the next DC Nation... We will catch you on the airwaves. See you, everybody. Have a great week and uh, enjoy the summer movies coming out and more Green Lantern and Young Justice. See ya. Norway and Sweden and Iceland and Finland and Germany now hold one piece. Switzerland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey and Greece. Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman. Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq and Iran. There's Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, both Germans, Kuwait and Bahrain. The Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium and Portugal, France, England, Denmark and Spain. 
India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan. Cambodia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia, and China, Korea, Japan. Mongolia, Laos, and Tibet, Indonesia, the Philippine Islands, Taiwan. Sri Lanka, New Guinea, Sumatra, New Zealand, and Borneo, and Vietnam. Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana. Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Guinea, Algeria, Ghana. Uganda, Lesotho, and Malawi, Togo, the Spanish Sahara is gone. Niger, Nigeria, Chad, and Liberia, Egypt, Benin, and Gabon. Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya, and Mali, Sierra Leone, and Algier. Dahomey, Namibia, Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Congo, Zaire, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Mayor, and Cayman. Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia. Cream, Mauritania, then Pennsylvania, Monaco, Lebanon, Malta, and Palestine, Fiji, Australia, Sudan. Jeffster lives, man. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.